Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Uh, so last week, Pastor RJ gave a great message. It was called I Quit. Uh, this week, we're going to welcome up Pastor Dale and Kelly, and they're going to come up, and they're talking about the grass is not greener. It certainly was not this spring. <laughs> yeah. Praise the Lord. Isn't it great to be here? Yeah. Tell you, worship was just excellent, and that last song that we had, that God won't fail us, that is so true, and you know, and even the, the message that we got, the grass is not greener, and the scripture text that was read, I want to make uh, very plain to us, it says that God hates divorce, but the thing of it is, there's many of us here who have gone through that, and Kelly and I, both that were talking about adultery and divorce, we both have been there, it's touched us both personally. And so God does not hate the person who was divorced, or else I would not be standing here. Amen? And so, like, so with that being said, Kelly's not my first wife and I'm not her first husband. But if God is not the God of mercy and grace and redemption, then we're all in trouble. And I, I want to tell us a, a few stories in that and how this has affected my life from my youth. Well, when I was 16, I worked for a man and his wife, his wife left him. We went to work that morning. He come back. We come back after work. He went home and his house was empty. And this man, he was a faithful man in his church and he belonged to the men's group and he was moving up and looking for promotion, and he was looking like it was going to go that way, and he was all excited about that and everything. But in less than eight hours or ten hours, that that just went, boof, gone. The group that he was in, in order to belong to this group, you had to be a married man. Now, he's moving up into the ranks. He's excited about that. That's taken away from him. His church that he belonged to at the time wouldn't allow him to be a part of it because he was divorced. If he found another woman, he couldn't get married in that church. That was, that was their beliefs. But the truth, if, if the tradition of man outweighs the word of God and the mercy and grace of God, I want no part of it. Amen. And then there's, uh, I knew of a woman who was married to a man for 25 years and he left her with four children and left her for another woman that he met at work. 
And he, uh, and this man was well liked in the community, well respected. People looked up to him. You know, his children looked up to him, really regarded him in high esteem. <laughs> this, guy, this person was my dad. And just as Proverbs 6 and 20 says about adultery and a man who commits adultery, or even a woman, says it reduces to a crust of bread. It's his place and authority or respect was gone. Friends that he had wouldn't talk to him. The family that he raised up and looked up to him Abandoned him. I hated him. I wouldn't talk to him. I disowned him. I cursed him. Years later, God had me go back to him and asked him to forgive me for what I did. Because I was not his judge, but yet I was judging him. Eleven years later after that, and my first wife met a man at work, left us. We had two small children at the time. I hated her. I, I, I had to leave the area because the hate, the anger, the um, just the embarrassment and all that was just so great I had to go. And I see that that's, that's why God hates divorces, because of the carnage that it brings into a person's life. The scars that you bear throughout your life. And I'm sure there's, there's many of us, or some of us out here also, who still have scars from having to be in that situation. You know, and, and, and people will counsel you and tell you, well, you know, you're not getting along, you know, and so you, there's no need for you to, to live together like that. You need to leave that person and that, and they got small children and that, and all the children, they're, they're, they're pliable, you know, they're, they're resilient. They're, they're, they will, they will grow out of it. You know, they, it'll be, there's no harm to them. That is such a lie of the devil because my son, my son is 40 years old, right? And I know he bears scars. I got a daughter, 38. I, she won't get married. And I think it's because she saw what has happened and the lives of what she had to live with her mother and the different men in her life and that, and there's no stability. And I think it puts a, a stigma in their minds or in their minds that we carry. But even that in, 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 in myself, I think about what they may have had to go through without me being there, and I was there every day with them. But it was with my first wife there. You know, she left me for another man. Uh, she committed adultery, and I put all the blame on her. But the truth be known, 
I was committed, I had committed adultery on her long before that. Because in Matthew 5 and 28, it says, any man who looks upon a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her in his, already in his heart. And how many of us men have grown up and we had the, the magazines and the movies and, and the women, you know, uh, tube tops, halter tops, hot pants, whatever, and we see them coming a mile away. And we're looking, and it just catches our eye. We're breathing it in. We're breathing it. We're taking it in, right? And then today, they get their paint on their clothes. So, you know, you, you, you see this stuff, and it, it attracts you. You're a man. You're, you're, men, are, men are visual. It's not an excuse for it. But God said, so anyways, God had me call her up and ask her to forgive me and tell her I forgave her. And also in that, Carmen, this is before Kelly, her and I were together. Also in that, I led her to accept Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. I swear ya. So I don't stand here and we don't bring this message today as someone who has not had no experience in it. Right? And today we see in our in our society today and within the church that adultery and divorce are becoming commonplace. And we hear of it more with more frequency. Right? But Jesus or the Bible says in Hebrews 13 and 4, if you can put it up for me there, please. In Hebrews 13 and 4, it says the marriage bed is undefiled. Okay. Yeah, it says the marriage is held in honor among all that is regarded in something by a great value. And the marriage bed undefiled by immorality and by any sexual sin, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. It doesn't say we're supposed to do that. But it has a twofold meaning there. The first one is obvious. The second one is that it shouldn't be defiled with someone in our mind. Right? That's, that's fantasy sex. And when we're looking at, looking at other women or, and women, you're looking at other men and you're finding them attractive and you, you know, because it, it goes both ways. Okay? Women, you are not, don't think you're exempt because it's addressing the men because we know the men the women look at men. I've walked around the corner and heard women talking about men, and I was totally shocked. I mean, I went, oh, my goodness. You really? That's coming out of their mouth? <laughs> yes, it was. And so, but we shouldn't have them in our mind. And then we can't be, we, we see people fall into these traps, and, and some of them commit adultery uh, physically, others, you know, mentally. But you've got to remember this. We're children of God, right? And no matter how holy or how righteous we may think we are, at the core of our being, we are Adam. We are, we are, we are, we are dust. We are imperfect. Right? We have that, that we have the, we have that 
spiritual nature in us. We have, we have that, that unclean flesh fighting against a divine spirit. We have these external circumstances and external circumstances where we lose the fear of God because though we're in the world, we're not supposed to be in the world. The world has lots of influence on our minds, on our sight, and we don't have to look too far to see the example of it, right? And so, but we lose the fear of God and we lose sight of the covenant that we've made in, in, in marriage. And, and our scripture text that we give, it shows us how the children of Israel and God had warned them in different books besides Malachi, you read, you read Isaiah, you read Jeremiah, you read Ezekiel. He tells them through the prophets of what they've been doing and how they've been committing adultery against them. But then he says, I'm going to show you something else, how you are doing it in the natural. You are treating your wives with contempt. All right? These are, these are, these are, he's telling the men of God. He's telling the authorities of, of, of the time and how they're supposed to set examples. And we all know, we've heard tell of stories and, and know of, of men of God with, with big followings and that that have fallen because they've been running around with the church secretary or some other one in the church and, and they got into a relationship and then that, re, that church body has collapsed. Right? And maybe something, and I think about that, and my heart breaks for that because the, the man of authority who is supposed to be setting the example of the flock, the flock, some of them knew that this was going on. So, what were they doing? Following his lead? Or someone who thought that, man, I'm listening to this person and I'm taking him all that they're saying to me and I'm taking it in and I'm learning and now all the trust is broken. And just like the man who couldn't go back to his church, he was faith wrecked. And many get faith wrecked. And there's people out there today that, that won't come into churches because, no, I can't go in there. They wouldn't allow my parents to go to church. I'm not going to church. They got remarried. and So it's all been broken and all this stuff is due to the sin of adultery. But when we read Proverbs through Proverbs from chapters five through eight, it has much to say on the subject of adultery. Much to say on it. It says the man was without understanding. It says, and in, in that, when we read that and study it, it's enough if your truly heart is towards God to help keep us away from it. Like Job said, I look on a woman to lust after her, right? And a few years ago, I would say, I'd say, I don't know how he does it. I, I really don't know how he would do that. Because today with what we have around us and how it's just put, you can't buy, you can't buy bubble gum without it being some woman in a b bikini, you know, or something like that. It, it's, it's, it's before you, the, the temptation's always there. And so then, like I said, it leads to, leads to fantasy sex. But fantasy sex, whether it be pornography, celebrity figures, sex toys, or a real person, it, it, is, it is selfish sex. Selfish sex. Because we're given up to something else, some imaginary thing that's supposed to be for our spouse. It's supposed to be for our spouse. It's not supposed to be shared 
with anyone else other than our spouse. So when you, when you, when, and it begins in the heart, right? It's a heart issue. As, as Matthew 15, 18 teaches us that all these issues, they come from the heart as any other sin. <clears throat> and Jeremiah said, the heart is wicked above all else. Who shall know it? Well, the person who put it there, our creator, he knows us. He says that. And we may argue, but, but I'm redeemed. I've been washed in the blood of the lamb. I'm, I'm cleansed from that. True. But the nature that you feed is the nature that you're going to become. So if, you're, if, we, if, we're, if we're watching the porn or, or we're watching the, the movies like that or we're reading books and magazines that all lead to that and bleeding that, you know, or we're, we're just out driving, we got to go to the beach. We're just going to sit on the beach and watch and just, you know, get ourselves just full of, get our, get our fix for the day, you know. If we're just feeding on that kind of stuff that's going to take us down and then the damage that it does at home. The damage that it does, sneaking around, got to hide it from your spouse. You know, God is not pleased with that. And it comes with a thought, as James says. It comes with a thought. James chapter 1, verse 14, 15. It teaches us that it comes with a thought. It begins with a thought. And it progresses to conversation. It then to meditation. And then it comes to action. And after the action, it brings forth death. And that's exactly where it'll lead us. And we say, well, why, why, why would we do this? Well, we said, God put his heart in us. He knows our heart. But here's a thought. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 11 says, because a sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, the heart of sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Because we, because we aren't judged immediately for what we do, we think it's okay to get away with it. And maybe a businessman, businesswoman, you're out of town, who's going to know? And what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, Right? So who, who's going to know? God knows. Amen? You can come, come home with some disease, <laughs> and you can pass it off to your spouse. No, and don't think about those things. But that's exactly what the sin does. And I've also, like I mentioned Proverbs 5 through 8, chapters 5 through 8. It also shows in there to me that there's a spirit behind it. There's a spirit behind it that causes one, but there's more than one spirit. What I've come to find out about spirits is that they, they work as gangs. They work, they work, there's more than one that's in the mix that will tear you down, that will cause you to fall. But those, that was my horror stories about what adultery and what divorce has done in my life. Now, come on, wife, you got to come and fix it up, fix up, clean up for me. Good job, baby. Oh, praise God. 
All right. Praise God. Well, he's already talked to us about the effects of adultery, but my, my time with us today is talking about the effects of divorce on the family. And the scripture text for this portion really does tie together our two topics for today of adultery and divorce really, really well. And I'll read it in a moment, but you might say, well, the issue I'm dealing with, it's not adultery, right? But I believe that this verse um, ties the two together because it's only for the cause of adultery that God even permits divorce. And in today's society, I mean, people are getting divorced for any, any kind of thing, any number of reasons. I mean, just, just because I'm tired, I'm whatever. But if we look to scripture, come on, as our plumb line, there's only one reason why God gives for divorce. So scripture, Matthew 19, 3 through 6 says, some Pharisees came and tried to trap him, speaking of Jesus, with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning, God made man, made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Amen. The word of God. Somebody say amen. amen. When God says no one, he's talking about us too, right? Goes on to say in verses 7 and 8, then why did Moses say in the law that a man should give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? They asked Jesus. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. But it was not what God had originally intended. Marriage really does get a bad rap these days. But it isn't marriage that's the problem. It's the people in the marriage and how they're treating each other that causes the marriage to be bad. Come on. It isn't marriage. It's the people in the marriage. Come on. One of the other spouses is tired of being treated the way that they're be tr being treated, it's gone on and on, over and over. I'm sorry, I forgive you. I'm sorry, I forgive you. I'm sorry, I forgive you. Over and over and over. They get tired. They want to call it quits. Come on. And let me just say right here that usually when your spouse is coming to you and, and, and over and over, I want a divorce, I want a divorce, really, they don't want a divorce. They want you to stop treating them the way that you're treating them. They want the problems to go away. They want the pain to go away. They're not trying to do away with the marriage. Come on. It's a cry for help. It's a cry for change. So again, it's, it's hardness of heart that we're dealing with. One or the other won't stop the behavior that's causing the problem. We get tired of the fight, and then we start to look 
elsewhere. We want, we want out, right? We want something different. So most of us are familiar with our, our title today, The Grass is Not Greener, right? And when we look at it in light of marriage, we can look around at other people. You know, we can do it in church. Oh, I wish, oh, they have such a nice marriage. And oh, I wish he treated me like that. I wish my wife was like that. Come on. Be careful what you ask for. You're looking on the outside, looking in. You have no idea what's going on at home behind closed doors. Come on. Come on. How a person presents themselves at church or at work may not be the same as they present themselves at home with their family. Come on. We can do it when we look at, at members of the opposite sex. Oh, he's so handsome. Ooh, she's fine. Come on. We can look at it, you know, and sometimes we do sadly. But we're only looking on the outside of the package from a distance. Come on. You say, I wish I had a husband like that. I wish I had a wife. Be careful what you ask for. I know Pastor RJ, he shared this story with us a time ago about the seeds in the lawn. And you had this beautiful lawn, and then you added some more seeds to the lawn and looked out there one day, and what is that in my grass, right? It was bringing up some weeds. Hmm. Pastor Dale and I did that one year, too. We had this beautiful garden. <laughs> Our friends know about this beautiful garden. We filled in a giant swimming pool <laughs> with dirt and made it a garden. But anyway, we went, we got pretty side and beautiful flowers and everything, and it looked really nice. And then the next year, we wanted to fill in some patches, and we went, we bought some grass seed. And the bag of the grass seed was a nice bag, a pretty package. Come on. And the name on the bag was a, a quality name. Come on. A name you thought that you could trust. And so Pastor Dale went out there and he sowed that seed into our beautiful garden. Come on. And we look up one day and what is that in our lawn but a whole bunch of weeds. A whole lot of weeds. Come on. But if you look at it from the neighbor's yard, it still looks pretty. It looks good. I mean, if he cuts the grass, it's like, honey, it looks great. <laughs> you get up close on that stuff. It's like, what is that? What is that? I didn't put up. What is that? Come on. All from a package you thought that you could trust. Come on, somebody. Right? Most of us have seen this example used in different ways before. But I'm going to use it again about the beach ball. And when we're looking from one perspective, on the outside, looking in from a distance, you know, we see, oh, he's cute, she's cute. Mm -hmm. We say, oh, there's so much fun to be around. And then we see, what else do we see? Whoops, this, wait a minute, where we go? Fun and attentive, so attentive. They always pay attention to me and what I'm talking about. They listen, right? And they're fun. They're fun then because 
They're not dealing with any responsibility. Come on, somebody. But if you turn that thing around and you hook up with that thing after you've left your good thing, come on, you come to find out, well, they're not so attentive anymore. He's actually a workaholic. Oh, she isn't so fun anymore. She's actually got a temper and pretty controlling. Come on, somebody. It just depends on how, what vantage point you're looking at. Come on, the grass, somebody please say with me, the grass is not greener. Come on, you get home with that. Come on, and you're going to find when you get closer, when you spend some time, when you delve deeper, you're going to find some weeds. Come on. Ooh. Hallelujah. We got to remember that the devil, he always sugarcoats things. He sugarcoats the things that we're not supposed to have to make them look good on the outside. God is so good. I was in the store the other day, and I'm in the snack aisle, and there's uh, two young mothers with their little kids, and school's out, so I guess they're looking for a snack, and they say, okay, you guys pick a snack between you, you share it. And so then the other mother pipes up and says to her friend, you know, I bought some Harry Potter snacks. Uh, I don't know when she said she bought them. She said, they've got names like Toe Jam and Earwax. <laughs> her friend said, well, surely they don't taste like their names. And she says, yes, they do. I was like, okay. <laughs> Like, if you knew that they were going to taste like that when you bought them, why did you buy them? Come on, somebody. Whoo, the devil always sugarcoats things, come on, to make them look good. But then when you bite into that thing, it is not good. It doesn't taste good. You don't want it. You want to spit it out. But, oh, come on, you've already taken a bite. Come on, you've already entered in. Come on, there's somebody else that took a bite and entered in because something looked good on the outside. Oh, way back in the garden, and her name was Eve. Come on, do you think if Eve knew the repercussions and the consequences that were going to come from taking that bite, come on, she couldn't have possibly known. Come on and how far-reaching those consequences would be. Come on, somebody. And all of us today are still dealing with those effects of her taking a bite of that apple. Amen? God wants us to see today that there's an impact associated with the path of divorce. He wants to see it. He wants us to see it right, before we go down that path. If you have a ball and you take it and you drop it off of the side of a building, it's going to fall and then it's going to have an impact. Come on, when it gets to the ground. Come on. If we choose that path of divorce for our marriages, it's going to have an impact. Come on. There's a song, um, an old song came out in 
1968 by Tammy Wynette. It's called D-I-V-O-R-C-E. It's a very sad song. And in it, she's talking about the divorce that she's going through and how they're spelling out the things that they're going through because little Joe is only four years old. And they don't want little Joe to hear what they're talking about, custody and D-I-V-O-R-C-E and, right? But as I listened to those lyrics, as I was preparing for this, the thing that God pointed out to me is that little Joe was only four years old when his parents split up. Big key. Little Joe was only four years old when he started to deal with the impact of divorce on his life. At four years old, little Joe, all the way through his life, is dealing with the effect and the impact of divorce on his life, starting at age four. Come on. There's going to be an impact. I've got this book here. It's called Breaking the Cycle of Divorce. And I'm just going to read a little bitty excerpt. This is by John Trin. And it says, unfortunately, those children, those adult children of divorce, have never seen such a marriage relationship, meaning a good relationship. They have no idea what it looks like. Their only experience is with a relationship that for any of a thousand reasons, it didn't last. In their experience, when the going gets tough, men and women bail out of a bad marriage. Children of divorce have no idea how to create and maintain a healthy relationship themselves. Typically, therefore, the idea of getting married fills them with both joy and dread at the same time. They grew up that way. Come on. Pastor Dale talked about our own children. And we see those effects in our children. Adult children. Come on. We're setting our children up for failure and heartache for their future, and we don't even realize that. Right? Malachi 2, 15 through 16 says, Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and in spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart and do not be unfaithful to your wife. We need to emphasize here that marriage, that, that, excuse me, God hates divorce, right? It's divorce he hates, not the people who get divorced, right? He hates divorce. And he hates divorce because divorce hurts the people that he loves. He hates divorce because divorce hurts. Come on, Pastor Dale and I, we've, he, he, we do. We have a blended family, and like I'm saying, we, we have seen the effects 
of divorce. I've been divorced. He's been divorced. Unfortunately, me two times. Ouch, I know most of you did not know that, but I was married at age 19 because I didn't like daddy's rules out of the frying pan into the fire. It was annulled a year later. It was not a good situation. But then I got married again years later, and then I divorced. Pastor Dale has been divorced. He said, well, you guys, it's, you're good. You're good. Well, yes, thank God. God is a redeeming God, right? And we do have a wonderful marriage, but we have not escaped the consequences. We have li and are still living with the consequences of divorce in the face of our adult children, in our grandchildren. Come on, somebody. We dealt with a financial, oh my goodness, financial impact for years. Years. Not one or two, I'm talking some years. Paycheck to paycheck living. Because he had another family he had to take care of as well as this new one. Come on. There's an impact. And it doesn't just affect you, the one wanting out. And not just your spouse, but your children. And on and on and on. God hates divorce because it affects the people in such a bad way. Right? We talked about sowing seed earlier, right? Well, when we choose that path, we're sowing bad seed. We're sowing for ourselves, and we will reap. Seed, time, harvest. Pastor Dale alluded to that at the end of his portion in that we think, okay, we've got away with this. All's good. No, you plant these seeds of sourness, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. Come on. There is a harvest, and it will come. And we always reap a harvest, and we always reap more than we've sown. Come on. So if you dishonor your marriage vows, come on, there's going to be consequences. God's just trying to show us today that there's another path. Come on. He wants to show us that there are consequences before we would go down that path. So I know I remember a time in our marriage when, with Pastor Dale that I was so upset. I wasn't even contemplating divorce. And the Lord told me, Kelly, he said, your, your life would look very different without Dale in it. And he's right. Love you, baby. No matter what we've been through, we are better together. We are better together. I think my heart would break. I mean, literally break. If God forbid, he would leave me. Before he got to his car, I think my heart would be broken. I love him, and we've been through some stuff, but we're better together, amen? amen. 
Marriage is God's idea. He's got a plan for it. Amen? Amen. And we got to get out of this idea that we can do things our own way. You know, we're in the world, not of the world, and we can't go the world's path with marriage and how we deal with the issues of marriage. We've got to do it God's way, right? Come on. We have a choice. We can stop the divorce. We can choose a different path. Amen? We can have something better, but we don't have to look somewhere else to get it. We can have it together. Come on. If you're having difficulties in your marriage, oh my goodness, God has blessed us in this house to once again have a marriage ministry. We have an amazing team that works with us. And each one of them, they specialize in a different area. So no matter where you are in your marriage, whatever you're dealing with, there is somebody within the team to help you where you're at. Come on, come on, call, reach out. There's help. We will hook you up with the right team for the right issue. Come on. There is help. There is help. Even if you're staring at a mountain, God's a redeeming God. He can speak to that mountain and call it to be gone. I tell the ones in pre-marriage, when, when they're getting ready, just starting out, I'm like, as soon as you start having problems, come back. Come back right away. I don't care if it was a week later, a month later, a year later. Come back right away. Let's deal with the molehills before they get to be mountains. But come on, somebody, even if you are staring at a mountain, hallelujah, God is able to speak to that mountain and call it to come down. Amen. Earlier, we talked about the fact that God only permits divorce for the cause of divorce. Of, uh, he only permits divorce for the cause of adultery. But he did not say that you have to get divorced because there's been adultery. He didn't say you had to do it. This book right here is called Unfaithful. And it's about a couple who experienced divorce. Gary and Mona Shriver. This is the back of the book. It says, after going through the journey to, to save their marriage from devastating infidelity, Gary and Mona Shriver um, co-founded Hope and Healing Ministries, an adultery recovery peer support ministry. They say in their own words, we can now say with absolute sincerity that we have fully healed from adultery. Our marriage is strong and mutually satisfying. We have love and trust, and we can only encourage you with the fact that it was worth the journey. Praise be to God. We serve a redeeming God. We serve an, a restoring God. He is able no matter where you are at. Amen. He's able to bring it back. He's able to redeem it. He's able to restore it. He's able to make something good out of what was bad. Come on. He never wastes a hurt. 
We're going to close with Deuteronomy 30, 19. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Amen. God bless you. Praise God. you're doing it okay pastor Dale what? okay ah <laughs> uh, thank you yeah before you do communion I want to thank pastor RJ and Mary for uh, allowing us this time yes. because they put their reputations and the house reputation for us to come up here and speak this word today amen but as you all stand to your feet with us as we go into communion. Amen. It's a solemn time. Father, Father, we thank you today as we're preparing to partake of the Lord's Supper. This sacred moment, Father God, that where we examine ourselves, we examine our hearts, that, Lord, that we will not be found in fault with you for taking it wrongfully. And, Lord, the word that you've given us, the word that went out, Father, we thank you, Lord, that your word does not return void. We thank you, Father God, that it's accomplishing in the hearts and minds of all who hear, Lord God. Thank you, Father God, for breaking the walls and the strongholds that the enemy has built up in the hearts of some, Father God. That today is a day of deliverance, a day of healing, a day of redemption, Father, for some, Lord God. A time to put away forgiveness. A time to put away and receive the healing balm of you, Father. Your hand of mercy touching now, Lord. Bless your name. So we thank you for this bread which represents your body, Christ Jesus. That was, that was broken for us. That when we eat, Lord, we remember we live by you. You live in us. And all that we need, you've already given us. So we thank you for your body that bore every pain and every hurt that we think is, is more than we can handle. But you bore it all for us. We ask this blessing as we take in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us eat. Thank you, Lord, for the cup representing your blood that was shed for us for the remission of our sins, Lord. Today, Lord, hmm, help us. Pour out your grace upon us, each one. Lord, to forgive the hurts. Some many, some have many, many hurts. Lord, all. Your grace is here today. 
that we be able to release all the hurts and forgive. So Father, help us today, all of us who have borne hurts and sorrows, that we would be able to forgive our offender, release them and set them free. And your word says, Lord, that you not only forgive us of our sins, but you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Father, we thank you that you are complete and your gift is, is complete to do all the work that needs to be done. Let us drink. morning church God is good and all the time we'd like to thank uh, Pastor Dale and Miss Kelly for this this amazing uh, message this morning I have to start this morning's been a kind of an emotional morning I, I'm not sure why but I uh, started in prayer this morning it was very emotional and then in worship today it was uh, even more on my heart about Holy Spirit was moving inside me, and then today's message is something that has affected Nadine and I's lives as a married couple. Uh, I'm Norm. This is my wife, Nadine. And in two days from now, uh, we'll be celebrating our 14th anniversary of marriage. Um, seven great years. Uh, so, I'll get to the why, what I mean by that. So, seven years ago, approximately, Nadine faced that crossroads in our marriage. And we as a couple had decisions to make. Where, 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 what were we going to do? Because of my sin. But then, then came God into our lives. Nadine helped lead me to the Lord. There's a song, an old country song, another country reference from the 60s. And it's Chris Christopherson. It's called, Lord, Help Me, Jesus. And then he says, Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the, of the pleasures I know? And every time I hear that song, I look at my wife and I think of that. Of why God has blessed me so abundantly. We walk with Jesus in trying to glorify him every day through our marriage. And now a message to the husbands, the young men, and the husbands-to-be. I remember not long ago listening to a pastor say a, a major problem of today's church and marriages is that the husbands will not lay down their lives for their bride as Christ died for the church. Men are now more rebellious to die of their pride, their ego, their wanton. They resist the love as Jesus loved them. We, as men, should be deflecting, rejecting, and protecting our family from the world and redirecting them to his word and fully embracing our, our role and purpose. Husbands, you should set aside what you value most to help your wives value most what is most valuable, and that's God himself. And you must not only be willing to die for her, but you also must be willing to live for her. Jealousy and comparison, weakness of the flesh, 
the worldly temptations that surround us every day, none of these things are in God's plan for us as men or as husbands, and they are an attack from the spiritual forces of evil. Dale spoke, um, Pastor Dale and uh, Kelly spoke to the fact that um, marriage goes both ways. So um, a lot of our behaviors within our marriage sometimes impact the way the other person is as well, right? So I just, I just want to say that, right? So we are grateful to God, we always say, but God. Um, for the reconciliation and the healing. This this past week, um, we had two profound experiences in showing blesses, blessings and curses related to sin. We met a young person this week whose family suffered from three generations of addictions. And that person was affected by addictions themselves at a very young age. And then we had the blessing to spend time with a family who have sowed into God for generations and generations. And we share that because we, there was some conversation around generational impact of the choices that we make. And marriage, we see marriage at the beginning in Genesis right? We were created for love and purity. However, out of some temporary solutions we sought outside of God's plan, we searched for something else outside of God, it yielded generations and generations and generations of destruction. And then at the end of the Bible, we see in Revelations, marriage again, the bridegroom coming back for his bride. And that we are to be prepared as a church. So marriage mirrors the love story of God, the entire story to us. And in God's love story to us, when the bridegroom comes back, he's coming back for a spotless church. Your marriage, your life spiritually carries your story of life, your faithfulness, and it can also carry sin and death. So we pray as you leave here that your spiritual eyes are open to know where you have given the enemy a foothold in your life and repent and that know that you have a way out. Matthew 28, 20, 28, even as the son of man came not to be served, but serves and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then Isaiah 53, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our inequities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his stripes we are healed the grass is not greener as we heard in the world the world is searching in the wrong place you know the truth and so by the power of the holy spirit share share the truth because generations are depending on it. I'd like to just leave you with, uh, I believe it's from Philippians. I never wrote it down, I'm sorry. 
I pray that your love will grow more and more and you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. But what I want you to understand, what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Windsor Christian Fellowship, you have been equipped now